Well, I tell you, I was a nervous wreck during that song. I kept thinking Laura might want to jump on that grand piano, and it was raised up. And I, I thought, bless God, if she does, I'm going to try to get up there and lower that thing. <laughs> well, well, praise the Lord. Amen. Is she gonna... <laughs> oh, me. Well, turn, if you would, to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to finish up the first chapter this morning, God willing. As we think about Jesus and the service to Jesus here on the face of this earth, we've already talked about in Colossians the fact that Christ relates to the universe. He is preeminent in all things. He controls all things. He totally is in control of this universe. We've already discussed the fact that Christ relates to the church. If you're one of those that think this is your church, you're completely wrong. This church belongs to the Lord. He's the head of the church. And then now this morning, we talk about how Christ relates to the individual Christian. And we're going to discover that every Christian is a minister. Not a one of us without. Every Christian is a minister. Beginning in verse 24 of Colossians chapter 1, Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? Colossians 1.24 Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery, which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Father, thank you today how we've been blessed. Thank you for Colin leading us this morning. And uh, thank you for young men, Lord, who will surrender their life to serve you for the rest of their physical life. I pray you'd bless all of our college guys and girls and our high schoolers who've committed themselves to you. And Lord, in this congregation, there are so many who have said, I want to serve the Lord, and they're ministering all over. I know this is a unique place, and I praise you for it. But, oh God, I pray that before this is over, every person that's a member of Woodland Hills Baptist Church would say, I'm going to be a minister for Jesus. I'm going to give my life to the one who gave his life for me, and I'm going to serve him. He gave me my first breath, and God, I'm going to give you my last breath. And I pray that you will speak to our hearts in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Paul uses this word minister. And most of the time today when we think about a minister, we think about a paid staff member. We talk about a full-time vocational person in the church. But Paul uses this word. It's the same word as deacon, meaning servant. Paul said every person is a minister. Uh, That's how Jesus described himself. He said, if you want a a model, you watch what I do and then you do what I do. 
Uh, I'm above you, you're the servant, and service is what it's all about. Now let's look at just some, some facts about service and about ministry. The first thing that I notice here is that there has to be joy in ministry. Verse 24, Paul says, knowing, let me get back to the right chapter, we now, who now rejoice in my suffering. There's joy. The apostle Paul found great joy in serving others. You won't ever find joy in your life until, first of all, you get your mind off yourself and you begin to serve others for the glory of God. You won't find joy in places. We have three television stations and actually four now. Uh, my wife kind of got into sports too. Uh, so we, see, we watch sports. And then we watch uh, uh, Hallmark Movie Channel. I can tell you every time somebody's going to jump out of a closet under Murder, She Wrote, I've watched every one of them a thousand times each, and I know them backwards and forwards. But we sit there and watch that thing each night like it's brand new. I mean, we're ready for it. And then we watch uh, uh, the cooking show. I love that uh, drive-in, divers, and all whatever that place is called there. I love the cooking show. But probably the most of the time, we're watching HGTV. And uh, they have some shows on there, House Hunters, and especially the International House Hunters. But a couple of years ago, in fact, it debuts tonight, the brand new version, Hawaii Life. Woo, I can get to watching that Hawaii Life and think, dear God, if I could just be there. I mean, you're sitting on this porch, and here's the ocean just coming in, the sand's beautiful. I mean, everything's perfect. And you say, man, if I could just be there. And maybe even some of you have found a, driving around Longview, you saw a house and thought, boy, if I could live in that house, that would make me happy. I want to tell you, joy is not found in places. Paul, when he writes this, is in the middle of a jail. He's in the middle of a, a pen. He is down underground. Uh, there's, no, there's no toilets. There's no running water. Uh, what you do, you do right there, and it stays right there. And then you, you're chained up, and yet in the midst of all of that, Paul said, hey, I've got joy, because you're not going to find joy in places. Uh, he's rejoicing, and then you're not going to find joy in people. You think, boy, if this guy was my friend or if this lady was my friend, I, I, I could be happy. And some of you are thinking this morning, don't, 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 don't react. Let me just say it. Keep your mouth shut and don't react. Some of you men are thinking, if I just had a different wife. Some of you wives are thinking, if I just had a different husband. Well, I tell you, I could be happy if I just had somebody else. Let me tell you, the Bible says, in the Lord's presence, there's a fullness of joy. You, you think, well, I, I, I want to, I know, now we need to have relationships and we need to serve others, husbands and wives, wives and husbands, parents, kids, brothers, sisters, friends. But I want to tell you, if you're dependent on people to make you happy, you're going to be miserable the rest of your life. Now, no one is going to ever measure up to your expectations. Did you know that? Look, wives, look at me now. Now, look at me close. Your husband is not God. Husbands, you look at me. Your wife, not God. There's only one God who became human, and that was Jesus Christ. And you're expecting your husband or wife to be like God. And they're not. They're going to let you down. You're going to be disappointed in them. There's only one God. That's Jesus Christ. And so, girlfriends, boyfriends, let me tell you, that, that's not God. That's not God. 
Your papa or granny's not God. I don't care how good they are. They'll let you down. They'll disappoint you. Only God can give you joy. And then you're not going to find joy in stuff. There's a lot of folk today just think, if I could just get my hands on this. I never will forget the first new car I ever bought. First car I bought was a 1962 Ford Falcon. You could pull up to a stop sign. You couldn't see the car for the smoke around you. Uh, but I was proud of it, amen. I, it was mine. I liked it. But I bought, when I, when I went to East Texas Baptist University in Marshall on the corner of Highway 80 and Highway 59, there was a Dodge dealership there. And I bought me a grand, brand new uh, Polar, Grand Polaris Dodge. I mean a road hog. And I tell you, I was so thrilled with that car. The first week I had that car, somebody at the college slammed a door in the side of it and put a, a little dip in there. See, it'll, it'll take the joy away. I mean, it'll make you miserable. You're not going to be happy with stuff. In Christ, you can have joy even in the midst of the hard circumstances. You see, you, you know why Paul could have joy? Because Paul had already determined that he was going to live in the consciousness of God. And wherever he was, that's where God was. So as long as God's there, he's happy. He, that's what he's saying. He's living, really, of the Holy Spirit. Wherever he was, that's where he's going to be happy. Uh, we, we, you say, Lord, have mercy. And I want to tell you, I'm not telling you that this whole church is joyful. I'm not. If you're visiting here, you happen to be sitting by somebody joyful, praise the Lord. You could be sitting by a deadhead. I don't know. But I will tell you this. There's enough folk in this place that's got some joy that kind of makes everything joyful. Amen? Uh, I mean, you say, well, I don't like that joyful, happy, clappy stuff and all that. Uh, well, you may not, but I want to tell you, when people come to visit this church and we visit them, the first thing they say is, boy, there's something special about your church. What, 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 you know, I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what it is. They come and visit and they see people smiling. They see the glow on the faces. And, uh, you know, I, I've had them tell me, look, I've looked for that in a bottle of Jack Daniels and couldn't find it. I've looked for it in meth. I've looked for it in cocaine. I've looked for it in marijuana. I've looked for it in one broken relationship after the other. And I am always thrilled to tell them, it's not what we have, it's who we have. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what gives joy. That's what he's saying here. It's Jesus, not what we have, but who we have. Now, that's the joy of the ministry. But let me hasten on to say this. Ministry also has demands, demands. Now, folk don't want to hear this, uh, but demands. It demands time. It demands emotions. It demands finances. It demands mental concentrations. Verse 24, the last part of that verse, says, Fill up that which is behind the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Now, does that mean, some people have taken that to mean that maybe there's something lacking at the cross. That's not true. The cross, listen to me, the cross was not plan B. The, the cross was not a punning opportunity. Before the foundations of the world, God ordained the cross would be the place where Jesus died for my sin and your sin. That's the perfect plan of God. There's nothing lacking there. It was foreordained. 
the death is sufficient, the sacrifice was sufficient. What he's talking about here is my human service. In other words, Christ continues to serve in the world through believers like you and I. He continues to, in his humanity, share and love and relieve human misery and spread the gospel through us. We're the hands and the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we suffer in service, we're participating in the ministry of Jesus Christ. So the ministry of Christ continues to sing. The ministry of Christ continues to share. The ministry of Christ continues to change lives. When you go out and serve, you're a link in a divine chain. And I want to tell you something. All you give up for him, when you give it up, you're participating in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You're participating in the gospel when you minister and serve. Now today, churches are trying to dilute that. I mean, I'll be honest with you. It's not real fun to come to church. The reason we want to dilute it, and I'm going to say weak. I'm not going to fall into that group. I'm not wanting to dilute it. I'm going to tell you right now, if you get saved, it's going to cost you something. If you're looking to get saved and just waltz on and live like you want to, go down the road somewhere else. Because that's not the kind of salvation Jesus preaches. But, but churches today are trying to back, attract bigger crowds. And they're saying to themselves, all right, if I'm going to get bigger crowds, I'm going to have to quit preaching on this stuff. Deny yourself daily. Pick up your cross and follow me. I'm going to have to quit preaching that. I'm going to have to quit preaching on this stuff in everything he's to have preeminence. I'm going to have to quit preaching on this present our bodies a holy and living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. I'm going to have to quit preaching on this deal about yield yourself totally to God. I'm not going to be able to preach anymore on you ought to be tithing and giving. You ought to be sharing. You ought to be sacrificing because folk don't want to hear that. We just love everybody. Go home, kiss your dog on the lips and everything will be great. Well, that's not the kind of preacher you bargain for. I want to tell you, in my 46 years of ministry, I can count on one hand. And some of you are sitting right here in this room. The ones I can count on one hand are sitting in this room that we've gone into your home. And you said, what we're concerned about is getting plugged in and Jesus using us. I don't hear that very often. What I hear is, what can your church offer me? What are you all going to do for me? I, I hear the people all the time saying, I'm upset. You've not done enough for me. I called. Nobody returned my call. You didn't answer. I'm going to leave this church. Well, you're going to leave it, and you're going to jump church to church. You'd be like a jackrabbit, member of 150 churches, and won't ever uh, be happy because you're trying to find your joy in somebody. You're not going to find the, the, the challenge. I, I love what John F. Kennedy said in the 60s in his inaugural address. Ask not what America can do for you, but ask what you can do for America. Hey, the question we face this morning is not what can Woodland Hills do for you. The question is, you've been saved by the blood of Jesus. What can you do for the glory of God through the ministry of Woodland Hills? That's what the question is this morning. Man, if you're looking for the kind of Christianity that doesn't ask anything, doesn't demand anything, doesn't require anything, that's not the Christianity that our Lord modeled before us. And really what you need to do 
is stop griping and stop complaining and stop whining. Find out where God wants you to serve. And I want to tell you something, whatever's bothering you, when you start serving the Lord, you're going to find the clouds of depression will leave. You're going to find your attitude will change when you get your mind off yourself and you get your mind on helping others for the glory of God. You're going to find you'll be happy in the Lord. We buried a, a dear friend yesterday, a dentist. He was our dentist. Moving to Longview, probably the, the two hardest things to get by was who's going to do my wife's hair? Bless God, that was a major transition. And the other one is who's going to do your teeth? And we went back and forth to Dr. Lanny for many, many times. He, he was 63 years old and just killed a big elk up in Colorado, the largest one he'd ever killed. He killed it last Wednesday. Thursday morning, he was drinking coffee and dropped dead of a heart attack right there, gone. He was one of the most mission-minded. We went on so many mission trips together. I remember one trip, we had a gynecologist, and he had a dentist on there. And the dentist's wife wasn't too bad. Uh, you know, she, she chastened me a little bit about, you better protect him. The gynecologist's wife, she flat got in my face and said, if he comes back and his hands are ruined, I'm going to kill you. She said, he makes his living with his hand. And she took out an insurance policy on him before he went. We were in Belize. And I want to tell you something. I, I, I would go there and, and we'd go to Belize. And, and that doesn't make You can go to Haiti. You can go to Kenya. I don't care where it is. But, but, but Lanny was in Belize. We went several times. And we would take these old huts that, that, that people just living in on the ground floor. And we'd go in there and pour a concrete floor so that they'd have a concrete slab. And I'd go over there, and old Lanny and, and, and Dr. Don, they, they were all, everybody just happy. You didn't mix, they don't have no ready-mixed concrete. You've got to go shovel the sand out of the river bottom and bring it up there to the house, and then you've got to mix the concrete with it. And you don't have no wheelbarrows or nothing. You just mix it in a pile, and you stir. It's back-breaking labor. But I won't tell you something. I never saw one of those people leave that place without a smile on their face. Saying, I don't care how hard it is. When you're serving others, when you're doing for the glory of God, it'll put joy. It'll lift your step. It'll increase your, your joy in your life. Wow. I, I remember asking them, where do you get your drinking water? Because they had an old dirty pump. They were using water uh, uh, for the concrete, they'd pump it, hand pump, and it was filthy. I mean, it was filthy water. And then they were all down at the little old creek washing clothes. And I thought, my God, surely they ain't drinking after that. And, and he said, we, we get our water out of that pump, the same water you're mixing that concrete with. Oh, my soul. See, some of you this morning, listen to me. <laughs> you're going to say, Brother Charles, you don't understand. And I want to tell you right there, that's your problem right there. That's your problem. That's self-centeredness. You're thinking about yourself. Could I tell you something this morning? We all got baggage. We all got problems. We all got things we've got to endure. Every one of us. So that's not an excuse for not serving the Lord. That's not an excuse. Get over it. The thing that gets you over it is doing something for somebody else in the glory of God. 
Then let me just say a word about the, the responsibility of ministry here in verse 25. He said, whereof I made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. To fulfill the word of God. The dispensation uh, or, or stewardship, that means to manage it. And what has happened here is God has given us time. God has given us. Now, I want to tell you, I don't know of anybody in here that has 24 hours and 30 minutes in a day. Every one of us have the same 24 hours. Some just decided we're going to enjoy sports and watch television, sit in our easy chair. Some decided I'm going to get up and work for the Lord. He gives us gifts. He gives us talents. He gives us opportunities. He gives us resources. We have the responsibility to do something about it for the glory of God. If you're singing in the choir, you ought to take it seriously. You ought to be here for rehearsals. You ought to be early. You ought to have a smile on your face. Don't sit up there in front of everybody there like you ate a bowl of persimmons before you came in here. Put a smile on your face. If you're teaching a life group, you, you ought to be on time. You ought to be prepared. If you're not going to be there, how many of you have, don't answer this, rhetorical. How many of you have sat in a Sunday school class and said, I wonder who's going to teach today? You know why? Because somebody didn't call nobody. I, I want to tell you, I'm, I'm just, just being honest with you this morning. It's amazing to me how serious we take all the things of this world. I mean, if we're, if we're the chairman of the PTA or whatever they call it now, I don't think they call it PTA, uh, PTO or OPT or something like that. Anyhow, whatever it is. I mean, that's a serious thing. If, if we're in the Little League, that's serious. If we're in Cub Scouts, that's serious. If we're doing anything, that's all serious. If we got a fraternity, that's all serious. But when it comes to the work of God, I'll do it if I can. And if it's not convenient, I won't do it. I'm just telling you how, how things are. Why should we do that? Because, I want to tell you, listen to me, if you don't get anything else, there is nothing that you can do for humanity better than through the local New Testament church. If you want to help this world, I want to tell you, you will help this world through a local New Testament church somewhere. You'll do that. Uh, Working with Awana, youth, choir, children, sound, lights, buses, security, first impression team, teaching, counting roles, nursing homes, off campus. You, you, know, you need to take that seriously. You got an opportunity to be a part of that this afternoon. We'll be at 10 or 12 different places. If you're in a life group, you've got a place assigned for you to go to. But if you're not in a life group, you can just, you're free as a bird. You, you can go to every one of them if you want to. Or you can at least pick one. Wouldn't that be something for one time in your life on the Lord's day, you go spend an hour just encouraging somebody else? I believe it changed your life. It means accountability also. One of these days we're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account. If I understand the Word of God right, the account we're going to give is going to be based on our rewards. It's not going to be based on our salvation. We've been saved by the blood of Jesus. We're saved. But our rewards are going to be based on what we've done for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then, then let me just say a word about the goal of ministry. 
I've got to hurry here. The ultimately, teaching and sharing and singing, doing it all for the glory of God. But the Bible says there's a, a twofold mystery. Now, when you talk about mystery in the Bible, we're not talking about who done it, murder she wrote, who you're going to pick, pick to do it. We're not talking about that. A mystery in the Bible is something that has been hidden in the past, but now is revealed. And the first mystery was uh, that... that uh, 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 the body of Christ, the church. The Old Testament uh, uh, Jews, they didn't know anything about the church. It was a mystery. They didn't understand the church. See, let me just go ahead and just tick some of you off completely. Get it over with. There's only three races in the Bible. There's a Jew, and there's a Gentile, which is everything except the Jew. And the third race is called the church. Some were saved out of the Jews and they were planted into the church. Some were saved out of the Gentiles, they're planted into the church. Now I want to tell you, this sets you free. This sets you free. We're all in the South, we're all prejudiced, we all, but I'm telling you, there's a Jew, there's a Gentile, and there's a church. And that's it. Now, this will literally, everybody else, it doesn't matter if you're from Tanzania, Mexico, China, Ukraine, Russia, even if you're here from Louisiana, I'm telling you, you've got an option <laughs> to be in the church, amen, to be in the church. God takes the Jew and he takes all others and he puts us together in the body of Christ. And I want to tell you something, folks, that's what East Texas needs to hear. They need to hear that we'll all be one, that the walls will fall, that we're families and we're brothers and sisters. It's not this religion or that religion. It's not red, black, brown, or white. Oh, it's not. Uh, now, I know it goes against the grain. I'm telling you, God delivered me from this. I guess it happened about 20 years ago. I think I may have shared this with you. I love to sit with the old men. I still love to sit with the old men. I love to hear their stories, how they change. You know, the fish they caught today is it, but tomorrow that dude's that long. And then, you know, and they, they, they you know, it just, it's just a, a joy. And I would go down to Central Mall in Port Arthur, and there was a round thing around a fountain where all the old men gathered. And I'd go down there just to, I didn't say anything, I just listened to them, just had the time of my life. And down that mall about 20 years ago, here come an old boy, had chains on, hair down to his back end there, and and he had nose pierced and ears pierced and tattoos everywhere, and these chains and everything. All I did was go, hmm, that's all I did. I mean, that set them off. Man, they're saying that's a, sh that's a disgrace. I mean, they sat there and just literally crucified that old boy. I got up happy about myself, walking down the mall, and it's like the Lord tapped me on the shoulder, and he said, do you, you think I love him? I said, well, yeah, Lord, you have to love everybody. You're Lord. And you know what he told me? He had the audacity to tell me if I love him, you've got to love him too. Whew. Now, I got a little freedom. It took a little while. But I'll be honest with you, I was at the mall in, in Longview here. Uh, it was a week before last. And there was an old boy who had some plugs in his ears as big as hubcaps. And I'll tell you right now, I just loved him. I just loved him. Why do you love folk like that? Because you want them to be saved. You want them to be saved. 
Listen to me, guys. People who don't get saved and come to Jesus go to hell. You say, well, I didn't know there was a hell. Well, I, I can show you in the Bible there is. It wasn't created for man. It was created for the devil and all of his demons. But the, hell hath enlarged itself every time somebody dies and goes there. The Old Testament people didn't understand that. They knew the Messiah was coming. But we understand now the Messiah has come. He was crucified. He was buried. He ascended up into heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's coming back one day for those who've been prepared and those who've been saved. Hmm. Then, then let me just touch on the activities of ministry. You see, we're, we're to be a preacher. <laughs> you say, that's the last thing I want to be. Hmm. Preaching's not that bad. It's being a pastor that's tough. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, could I just share with you that every person in this auditorium today, you're a preacher. Some of you preaching some tremendous sermons. Some of you preaching some that's not so hot. But you're all preaching. You say, well, one of these days, I'm going to be in a casket and a preacher's going to stand up here and, and preach my funeral. No, he's not. All he's going to do is just be the MC for the service, for the memorial service. You already preached your funeral by the way you lived. You've already preached it. He said there needs to be a warning, warning every man. That's warning the lost. They need to know that without Jesus Christ, that God is just. And one day they're going to answer for their sin. God is going to send them to a place they're, he's not going to condemn them to that. They're going to condemn themselves because he's already offered them a free gift of salvation. But if they turn that down, God is just. And they will be cast out into a place called hell. We need to not only warn man and warn the lost, though. I think uh, he's also saying, uh, how shall we escape? We need to warn the saved. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Hebrews 2 says. You see, that's talking to the Christians. That's talking to the Christians. That's talking to the people who are living mediocre, half-hearted lives for the Lord, who are spiritual duds, who don't really want to do anything else for Christ. Kind of like a fish in your aquarium. You get an aquarium, everybody's excited. You change the water every week. You feed the fish. But the longer you have that thing, you forget to feed them. They've all died except one old goldfish, and he's about belly up. The water stinks. Nobody takes care of it anymore. <laughs> In your car, hey, just don't change the oil at all. You don't need to change oil. Just don't give it a second thought. You'll be on the side of the road calling somebody. The doctor, you go to the doctor, you trust, and he says, look, you got diabetes, you need to take this medicine. You don't take that medicine, you end up in trouble. He says, you, 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 ha you could have a stroke, you need to take this. You don't take that, you could end up in, in trouble. As Christians, we neglect the Bible and the church. We're going to suffer. We preach, we warn. We teach. We give them information that brings transformation. 
And he says three times here, every man, every man, every man. In other words, I've got to apply it to life. Now, I forgot something in my notes that I was going to mention. There's two mysteries that are given. One is the mystery of the church. The Old Testament didn't know that. The second one is the mystery of the fact that Christ in me is the hope of glory. See, I said, wait a minute, I thought we were supposed to be in Christ. We are in Christ. But not only are we in Christ, Christ is in us. That's the hope of glory. See, it's not me trying to do what's best and do the very best I can. All that's important, but that's not where the rubber meets the road. The rubber meets the road when I realize that Christ is in me, the hope of glory. I've got to die to myself. I've got to die to what I want to do, and I've got to say, Lord, whatever you want to do with me, you do it with me. Let me give you the last thing, and I'm through. The success of ministry. (laughs) I've seen some young preachers that they thought their hair was what really made them successful. Some of you got hair for an evangelist or a preacher. You know, it, you have to work to get hair like mine. Some of you got that, man, I mean, you know, I, I won't call any names out, but you just, you, your, your hair set up for it. Or, or maybe it's just your eyes. Well, people just look at your eyes. I had a kid last Tuesday night in, <laughs> in Criswell College tell me, Brother Charles, uh, God just allowed me to be born a genius. <laughs> I said, I hope you got somebody in your pocket with you besides you. Because I don't think you're fitting that bill. Who, who are the ones who succeed? Let me tell you how you succeed. If you're a Sunday school teacher, if you're singing in the choir, if you're working with ushers, if you're doing the Connection Center, whatever you're doing, you want to know how to succeed? The people who succeed are those who do not depend upon themselves, but depend upon God. If I get in this pulpit thinking, I'm going to depend on myself, it'll be flat. It'll fall. It will fall. I don't care how good you think you are, how spiritual you are, what a great teacher you are. I'm telling you, if you want to succeed, you better get yourself out of the way and you better count on the Lord Jesus Christ because he's the way you'll succeed. Now he says, labor here mightily. He said, whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working which worketh in me mightily. (laughs) People are always saying, you need to slow down. You need to slow down. What is it that peps you up? Do you eat chocolate? Do you drink a lot of caffeine? What is it that peps you up? I'll tell you what peps me up. It's the Holy Ghost of God. I mean, I I don't want to slow down. I'm, I'm so miserable right now because I'm not physically able to do what I was able to do 10 years ago that's about to drive me crazy. You say, well, you're going you're gonna to burn out. That's all right. I'd rather be poured out for the glory of God than sit here and do nothing. I mean, we've got to literally depend on God and then labor with every ounce of energy we've got. We get our word dynamite from the word mightily. 
too often church folk can become like spiritual hitchhikers. I used to pick up hitchhikers all the time. I, I don't do it as much anymore. I do have a pistol in my thing. When I do pick one up, I take it out of my thing and put it over here in my door. So I got my hand on it all the time. Just for the glory of God. <laughs> you, you know the universal symbol of a hitchhiker. It's a thumb. He, he, he's thumb. It, it, it's giving a message loud and clear. If you'll furnish the car, and if you'll furnish the gasoline, and you furnish the time, and you do the driving, I'll ride with you. That's what he's saying. Now, if you're expecting that dude with the thumb to buy you any gas, you out. You're out of luck. He's not even going to drive if you get sleepy. He, he's just there riding for you. I'm not going to chip in no money. And, and, and by the way, if you have an accident, I'm planning on suing you. That's what he's saying. Same way in the churches are spiritual hitchhikers. They're essentially saying, God, I'm comfortable. I'm happy. I like the preaching. I like the song service. I like the people. I'll just sit at church and take it all in. I'll just sit there. I want to tell you right now, God, you nuts if you think that I'm going to chip in with any real financial support. If you think I'm going to be involved in any visitation or any benevolence or anything like that, you think I'm going to work with these wild kids over here? Oh, God. No, no, I'm here. I'm just here enjoying life. But on my own terms, God, I'll ride with you. <laughs> you know what they're really saying? They're really saying, God, I'll listen to you, but I'm not going to obey you. I'm not going to obey you. Jesus said, I'm the true vine, and my Father is a gardener. John 15, 1, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it will be more fruitful. I don't know about you. But I'd rather be the servant that listens and obeys than I would be the branch that God has to cut off and throw away. But it's, it's, it's our decision. This is a great church. Tremendous. If you're visiting here, I would tell you, you won't find a warmer church. You won't find a church where people work any harder. We've, we've done everything we can to try to impress people for a lot of people to do a little bit of stuff. Most churches have a few people doing a lot of stuff. And we've, we've been able to be somewhat successful, but we've also got a lot of people doing a lot of stuff too. I'm asking you this morning, if you need a church home, plug in here. I, I, you, listen, I'm not, you know me. I, I don't, I'm not asking you to do 15 different things. I'm just asking you to find one thing that you enjoy doing. If it's going to a nursing home and opening the hymnals and turning pages and encouraging people, then do that. That's a ministry. Boy, it's a great ministry. We go in these nursing homes and these retirement homes, and I want to tell you, I, I get aggravated. It makes me sick. Those people sitting in those places that we'll go in this afternoon have been the blood, sweat, and tears of churches that have built churches from the ground up. And then we just shove them over and don't do anything. God help us. I want to be a ministering church. 
Maybe today you say, well, I'd like to minister, but I don't know where to start. Well, the first thing you start with is your salvation. Don't, don't go over there if you're not saved. It won't work. It won't work. You'll get tired. Somebody will say something. These old people can be critical now. They're just like kids. They'll tell you the truth. They'll tell you that's the worst song I ever heard in my life. You know, they'll just tell you that. You know, you got to have thick skin. <laughs> but oh, to hear our Lord say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Father, I pray this morning for those that need to make a decision to be saved, to trust you as their eternal Savior. God, would you let that happen today? Don't let them leave this place until they're saved and know they're saved. God, I pray this morning for those that need a church home. God, would you send them here? The fields are wide unto harvest, but the laborers are what we need. And so, God, I pray you would send laborers here who would say, I'll, I'll go to work for the glory of God. I'll do that. Lord, let your will be done in each one of these lives that are in this place today. We're not looking to ourselves. We're not trying to coax anybody into anything. I'm asking you, sweet Jesus, to let your Holy Spirit fall on this place and show every person the decision that they need to make today. And I'll praise you and glorify you in the name above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you stand?